in less than three decades, we've lost 28 trillion tonnes of ice. That's enough ice to blanket the UK in a sheet 300 feet thick. The ice is the fridge of our planet and it's a crucial climate regulator. So yes, there will be global impacts of this. Hello, it's Chess Fernley here and welcome to what will be our second season of the Common Ground podcast. We finished up season one a few months back, which was a season focused on shining a spotlight on youth. And in that season, we brought together under our little podcast roof, changemakers from both the social and environmental spaces, people who had made extraordinary achievements in areas as diverse as coral reef conservation projects, ocean scientists, medal-winning athletes, climate justice activists, and founders of mental health projects. In that season, we talked about the causes that spurred them to take action. This season, we're staying with youth, and I'm hugely excited to be bringing you this series in collaboration with Arctic Angels, a global youth-led network fighting for the protection of the global commons, and in particular, raising awareness of the polar ice crisis. In this season, which we're calling Activism Across the World, We'll be hearing from incredible female climate and climate justice activists from all over, including Uganda, Norway, India, the UK, the Philippines and Costa Rica. And in each episode, we'll hear from an angel who will be telling us all about their work, what it's like to be an activist in their country, how the climate crisis is affecting them and their thoughts on what we can be doing to fight for our planet and our global commons. In this episode, we'll be hearing from my friend, Emma Grace Wilkinson. She's an Arctic Angel, but also the coordinator of the Arctic Angels Network. We'll be hearing about her journey towards environmental activism and how she came to be a part of the Global Choices team, the parent of the Arctic Angels Network. We'll also get to hear a little bit more about the network and give you some insights into the upcoming episodes. We'll be dropping those every Thursday. That's a new episode every Thursday in the run-up to Earth Day 2021, which is on the 22nd of April, starting with this episode with Emma, which we've also launched in a week that also, very appropriately, happens to have International Women's Day. So by the time of Earth Day, you'll be able to hear insight from all of our angels. I really, really hope you enjoyed the episode and the season to come. It was a personal honour to be able to speak to these incredibly inspiring women, many of whom carried out their interviews in, in English, which is not their first language. I'm hugely grateful to them for sharing their stories with you and please do support them by joining their campaigns and standing in solidarity with them and their actions. I'll be leaving their social media handles in the show notes of each episode for you to get in touch should you wish to do that. So with that, thank you once again and I really do hope you enjoyed the season. The Arctic Angel, I'm thrilled to be joined by this week, is Emma Grace Wilkinson. Emma, welcome to the Common Ground podcast. Thank you for having me. So we actually met back in 20... Is it 2018? Yes, Uh, 2018. Maybe you could tell the listeners of the show how we met, where we met, and what we were doing. Sure, of course. Um, Well, Chess and I, we met as we were on the leadership team of the Sea Turtle Conservation Project on the island of Kefalonia together. 
it was in 2018, as Chess said. Uh, I was out there for the full season and I was only 20 and also doing my dissertation research out there on volunteer motivations and experiences. And Chess came out in August and we became friends pretty quickly. You were the calming, sweet friend. Um, it was hard work, but we had a lot of fun. Um, I would say to sum up what we were doing, we were conserving sea turtles. We were based at the Argus Solely Field Station where there was 30 international volunteers that would change every two weeks and we would train them up and lead them. And together we'd all be conserving the sea turtles of the island. We'd be protecting their nests. We would be helping hatchlings to sea, depending what time of the year it was. We also, at the Augustoli Harbour, there's lots of sea turtles that come in um, and we would do shifts monitoring, monitoring their behaviour. Um, there'd also be the occasional kind of health check and tagging event. Chess, am I missing anything? No, I think that's pretty much it. It was wild, but it was uh, it was incredible. Yeah, it was amazing. And we made some really good friends for life, I'd say. Absolutely. So you studied geography at university. We obviously met on a conservation programme. Now you work as the coordinator for the Arctic Angels, which are just three parts of your identity. And I'm sure there are so many more that I've missed off. But what made you want to get involved in environmental work? Really, I would say it does go back to that as a kid, I was always in or on the ocean with my family. I loved water sports and I learned to swim in the sea. I also spent a lot of time with my grandparents whilst on the sea. And I think my focus now, which I'll delve into a little bit more later on intergenerational cooperation and working in the climate space is for sure linked to my value of that and their wisdom at a young age. And then so my love for the sea and my want to protect it, um, that definitely, of course, led me to Greece with chess. And while I was out there with chess, I was actually also conducting my undergrad research for my geography degree, as Chess mentioned. And I was really looking at the motivations and the experiences and the socioeconomic constructions that impacted um, the volunteers. And whilst being in the process of writing up that research, I really realized that I wanted to continue studying and I wanted to do a master's and dive more into the issues facing our planet, what motivated people to act to protect our planet, and I think really how we could create a cultural shift to a relationship of reciprocity with our earth. So straight after studying my undergrad in geography, I went on to study my master's. Um, and there was where I went to a talk, the IPCC special report on the ocean and cryosphere. That was what the talk was about. And I met Inga, the co-founder and executive director of Global Choices. By December, Inga and Sally, um, the co-founder and president, had asked me to coordinate the angels. And here we are. So tell me a little bit more about the Arctic Angels Network then. It's something that we're both a part of, but you helped to coordinate us. So what are the aims? What are you hoping to achieve with the network? And how does that sit within the parent structure of Global Choices? Sure, of course. So the Arctic Angels is a youth-led intergenerational action network. And the Arctic Angels are voices for their generation they are deeply committed to the protection of our global commons. Um, they're really a network of climate justice activists and leaders advocating for systems and policy change that will protect our global commons and acknowledge their value. They're a really diverse group. Um, so when I first started in December, when I was in 2019, when I was asked to be the coordinator, there were four Arctic Angels and we were only in the UK and the US. And by now, we're currently at 
24 Arctic Angels and we're in 16 countries from Greenland to Brazil to the Philippines and the angels range in age from 9 to 33. So that's a little bit of background on who the Arctic Angels are. In terms of what we're trying to achieve and how that fits with the organization Global Choices, which we're a part of, Global Choices um, is working to drive visibility of and action on the polar ice crisis, prioritizing the unprecedented loss of the Arctic sea ice. And the angels are collaborating in support of this work. And together, we're really striving to move the polarized crisis to the top of the global policy agenda. The network um, is also striving to empower these young women and to support them in their advocacy more generally. It is a truly remarkable network in the sense that you've managed to galvanize women across the world to to sort of focus and, uh, and really highlight the issue of what's happening in the Arctic. So people might find that a bit strange to think that somebody in, you know, Brazil is mm -hmm. advocating for and highlighting what's happening in the polls. But I think that's also what makes it so successful. Yeah, it's really powerful. Um, and I know that you have got uh, guests and some of the angels from all corners of the world coming on. So that will really highlight it. But it's, as you say, it is really powerful when, for example, Evelyn from Uganda or Divya from India um, speak up on, on why they care about the ice and how it will impact them and why they care. You mentioned then about the polar ice crisis that's happening, you know, without going into too much detail and, you know, you can keep it at a very top level, but what is happening in the Arctic and is what's happening there going to affect, you know, the, the rest of the population, the rest of the world? Yes, of course. So, as I said, the Arctic and the Antarctic are a focus on the polar ice crisis, particularly the Arctic sea ice, and we're particularly trying to protect it from willful harm at Global Choices. But to give you an overview of the ice crisis, in less than three decades, we've lost 28 trillion tonnes of ice. That's enough ice to blanket the UK in a sheet 300 feet thick. Um, and for example, in the Arctic specifically in 2020, the Arctic sea ice minimum was its second lowest on record. The ice is the fridge of our planet and it's a crucial climate regulator. So yes, there will be global impacts of this. Ocean warming, food chain um, disruption, droughts, fires, floods, uh, food insecurity, biodiversity loss, sea level rise, and they'll cause um, climate migration and, and a whole host of social issues. It's, um, it's Dr. Julian Struver who has said that we are all ice dependent species. Um, the polar ice is really what we can think of as a global common, and it's on the edge of extinction. A global common because we, we depend on it for um, our global climate stability. And so just to add as well to what I said at the start about how we're mobilizing to protect it from willful harm, the melting ice in the Arctic um, can also open up opportunities. For example, um, the week of recording this, um, there has been a lot of news stories coming out um, about a ship crossing the northern sea route on a previously impossible journey at this time of year. Um, and as the ice melts, commercial opportunities are opening. Um, so like I said, we're really working towards um, preventing exploitative industry as these opportunities um, open and particularly to protect the central Arctic Ocean. It's so interesting because when I first learned about climate crisis and it wasn't even called climate crisis back then it was called global warming I remember learning about it in you know in secondary school uh, no in primary school the polar bear was kind of seen as the 
characterization of global warming and I think over the last few years that association with the Arctic has kind of sl slipped you know from from what you've just said there there kind of needs to be that really focus back on focus back on the Arctic yeah I mean when Inger and Sally first uh, co-founded Global Choices together back in 2018 they really took a holistic deep dive into the science of our planetary ecosystems and climate action taking place and they felt that there was a lack of prioritization within the climate space and so that's why they chose um, and that the polls weren't being given their, their due focus. Um, and that's why they chose to focus on, on protecting the Arctic sea ice. And so, yeah, one thing just to add in terms of the prioritizations, one thing we always say is that we can't plant ice. And once it's gone, it, it really is gone. So we need to mobilize now to protect it. That's really interesting what you said, though, that you remember learning about global warming in primary school, because I actually, I, I don't remember when I first heard about global warming or climate change, but I'm sure it wasn't that early in life. I think given our background in conservation, I think I knew the threats facing the oceans, but I was more focused on conservation at the start of my life, for sure. So interesting, because the only reason I do remember it is because there's a really embarrassing story. I was, we were learning about it. I could almost like distinctly picture it and it's, one of the, the memories I have of primary school, we were learning about it at a very kind of top level that the world is getting hotter, basically. And we were talking about greenhouse gases. And I remember sitting there thinking to myself, why don't they just get rid of the greenhouses if the greenhouse gases are <laughs> such a problem? I remember plucking up the courage to ask my teacher, why, why don't we just get rid of the greenhouses? The whole class laughing at me. Um, because of <laughs> So no, but it is interesting because after that point, I really don't remember being taught about it until maybe three or four years later. And of course, like given the significance of what's actually happening and to think that, you know, you're, we're, we were only being introduced to these ideas quite late on in our education is quite scary. But anyway, that's a side note. So you, so you mentioned earlier, you touched upon this idea of the global commons, which I know is a concept that is kind of shifting in meaning. But what are the global commons and why should the average person care about what's happening to them? Yeah, well, I mentioned earlier, obviously, I referred to the polar ice as a global commons. Um, and at Global Choices, we really understand the global commons as the interdependent natural systems crucial to all life. And these can be the oceans, the forest lands, um, a healthy biosphere um, and the polar ice. But typically the global commons have been thought of as areas beyond national jurisdiction. So the high seas, Antarctica, the atmosphere and outer space. Um, progressively, we are understanding, though, that and we definitely do understand now, I, I think that we can harm these ecosystems and we can harm um, these life support systems, the polarized oceans, for instance, and it can be within national jurisdiction, but it can have global impacts, devastating global impacts. And so we can kind of understand the global commons as these, yeah, like I said, interdependent natural systems that we all depend on. And we obviously, as them being our life support systems, we should care about them. I, I guess this also ties into the idea of being a global citizen and about understanding that the impacts that we have extend beyond, you know, our households or, or our local area. Definitely. What, what does a global citizen mean to you? 
I would say to me, it can really mean many, many things, but it is hugely tied to the notion of the global commons. Um, and it means simply recognizing that we are one community that are reliant on them. Um, that's actually the vision of, of global choices to recognize that we are all one humanity dependent on the global commons. It is a really lovely idea. And I think it also gets us thinking that to get us thinking larger than just the locale, although I think that is very important. It's about understanding. And I think this is a theme that we'll pick up you know, across the, the series and uh, interviewing other angels from across the world is that, you know, maybe something that we do here will actually have a significant impact on maybe is an issue of climate justice, isn't it? I guess, because the people who are most affected by the climate crisis are those that contribute the least. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it is a perfect example, as you just mentioned, Eve, and I was fortunate enough to be in a summit with her in July, and she did speak about this, the fact that she cares about the polar ice, and she feels a responsibility, I won't speak for her, and I'll let her uh, in her episode talk about this, but that she feels a responsibility uh, to protect the polar ice as well as the rainforests um, that are much closer to her, and that, that kind of global view within the Arctic Angels, to me, really reflects global citizenship. So just going back a little bit to the network itself, as a coordinator, what kind of things do you get involved with? What does your role involve? Well, um, I'm really honoured to be the coordinator of the network. So I work with the Global Choices team, which you probably picked up from me saying we at Global Choices. Um, <laughs> and what I do and we do as a team is support and connect and empower the angels, although I'm also an angel myself. Um, how we do this is through a range of methods, leadership training, mentoring. One of the, the favourite parts of my job, I, I really, really love um mentoring and i think you know that was an element of it in in greece with uchess as well um, it's something i've always been drawn to i think um, we also provide a platform at high level events for the angels um, to give them a, a platform to speak on and ensure that there are equal opportunities within that so for example last year the angels were featured at events um, and spoke at events hosted by EarthX. Model UN Impact, Planetary Emergency Partnership, and more. We also provide access to experts and thought leaders and bridges to policymakers. So to give an example of, of providing a platform, for example, Aluna, one of our angels from Nuke, Greenland, last year, around the autumn time, just as I was finishing up my master's, she submitted a question to Sir David Attenborough ahead of the release of his latest film on Netflix. So she was featured there asking him about the polar regions alongside Billie Eilish, Dame Judi Dench and more, which was really cool. Also the angels, how we support them and kind of connect them to opportunities is we're part of networks and constituencies such as the High Seas Alliance and Youngo. So really fostering that collaboration. We are really collaborative in nature. And I think we all know at this point, we're not gonna get anywhere if we don't collaborate and you know take a global view like we've just talked about. One way that we kind of mentor the angels is and provide um, learning opportunities for them is we have regular meetings with really inspiring guest speakers. Um, 
So next week, and Chess will be there. I'm really excited for this. Um, we'll be joined by two women currently living in a hut in Svalbard, the first women team to overwinter in the Arctic, who are working to engage the global community on climate change and practicing citizen science. So I hope you're excited, Chess. Um, I cannot wait. I am. I really am. So as well as focusing on the poles, we also focus on other elements. As I've mentioned, the intergenerational element as an intergenerational network as well. And we're really working to model intergenerational working cooperation. Um, obviously, youth and women's empowerment, of course. So our activities, whilst generally um, at summits or events, we are speaking up on the ice crisis and the need to protect the poles. We also are invited to speak in other places and we, we do speak on other topics. So in November, our angels, Ari Lexi and Ariana, spoke at the Connecticut Climate Action Business Summit. And in December, I joined a panel with Lily Cole, Dr. Catherine Wilkinson and others to talk about the lack of gender balance in the UK COP26 leadership team. It's a really interesting point you raised about COP26, because that's obviously something that's coming up this year. And it's quite a significant, well, it's a very significant event in climate calendars across the world. But obviously we're hosting this year. And that kind of brings me to my next question, which is about what are you looking forward to? What does the future hold for you as an angel and for the Arctic Angels Network? Sure. So if I could pick anything to tell you all about that's happening this year, it would be Antarctica in November. Um, we'll be going on the expedition with Robert Swan and the 2041 Climate Force team, leaving from Argentina and heading to Antarctica, the last great wilderness um, and it will be with Robert who is the first person in history to walk to both the North and South Pole. Um, he's also a UN Goodwill Ambassador for Youth and on the ship they have the Leadership on the Edge program so um, they're really inspiring people to become a global force for change and there'll be a mix of climate education um, and leadership training whilst also experiencing the amazing landscape of Antarctica. So I'll be going and we're also holding currently a competition for the other place, which is closing soon. From the release of this podcast episode, there'll be a few days left on the competition. From the ship, we hope to also link into COP26, as I just mentioned, um, we plan to connect to world leaders gathered in Glasgow um, to share our calls to action from the ice crisis front lines and, and really to call on them and challenge them to wake up to the reality of the melting polar ice. It's an incredible opportunity and I would urge anybody listening, um, as Emma mentioned, this is going to go out on March the 11th. The application deadline is March the 14th, so you will have a 10 p.m. GMT. 10 p.m. GMT. So you have a few days and I really would recommend putting in an application because I think speaking to other people who've gone on this expedition, it really will be life changing. And I think also, Emma, you know, that just talking about Robert Swan, having heard him speak about the expedition, just going to highlight the extent of the crisis that's happening. When Robert originally made those journeys, it was covered in ice. And from what he was saying is that that's not possible anymore because the, the ice has gone. Yes, when he walked to the North Pole. What would be your advice to anyone who wants to join the campaign for the protection of the global commons or to raise awareness of the polar ice crisis? I think 
my advice would just be to get started. Um, it's like you said earlier, you said something about um, taking global action, but also what you can do in your local communities. And it's funny that you should say that because also, if you remember Chess in December on the Arctic Angels social media, we were running a kind of series of content talking about just encouraging intergenerational conversations and having them at the dinner table and at home and with your family and your friends. So I think you can start there, but also obviously we would love to have anybody's support of our campaign and, and how we're mobilizing to protect the Arctic sea ice. So you can find my details on www.globalchoices.org and you can also find out more about Arctic Angels on there. You can see what some of what we've been up to in the last year. We actually have a form through which you can express your interest to support our campaign, which can be found there too. Or I can just um, provide it to you if you email me and just express your interest and have a chat. I'd love that. Well, Emma, thank you so much for explaining a little bit about the network and giving a, a really exciting hints about what people could expect from the next few episodes. So we'll be interviewing six angels. As Emma mentioned, they'll be from countries around the world. And really, it's just an opportunity to understand what life is like for them, what it's like to be an activist in their country and their motivations for protecting the global commons. So it's something that I'm excited about. And I know we've we've recorded a few episodes already and, and they've turned out really, really well. So looking forward to everyone being able to hear what's coming. But Emma, thank you so much for, for being on the show. Sure. Thank you so much, Jess. And, and I'm so excited to hear the other conversations. Thanks so much to Emma for being the first guest of the season. If you want to find out more about the Arctic Angels Network, visit www.globalchoices.org or follow the Arctic Angels Instagram account, that's at GC Arctic Angels. To follow Emma and more of her work, find her on Instagram at Emma Grace Wilkinson. See you next time.